0: welcome to church. My name is Adam, and I am so happy to be back in uh, this lovely environment. Uh, the stay-at-home orders are starting to loosen, and so we wanted uh, to return to our church home, and uh, hopefully this will be uh, a comfortable background and, and, and encouraging for you like it has been for me. I want to wish you... And everyone, a happy Mother's Day. We want to celebrate all the ladies of our church. Uh, We know that this is a a different Mother's Day than than you're probably used to. And I hope it's a a day of encouragement and celebration for your family. I also know that it can be a day that's painful for some of us. So we want to be lifting up all the ladies of our church in prayer. And to celebrate all of you ladies, we've got a special deal today. Come to the Carney. Quick lube and car wash from two to four. You can get you a car nation and you can get your car washed. Ladies, if you roll up, I will help wash your car. And fellas, if you've got some kids, what does mom want for Mother's Day? Some peace and quiet. Some rest beside the quiet waters. Sermon shout out. And so put the fam in the car, leave mom at home for some, for some, uh, <laughs> some TLC and go wash mom's car. So I hope to see you this afternoon from two to four at the Carney Quick Lube Car Wash. It's gonna be awesome. Happy Mother's Day. We also wanna invite you this week to our online Bible studies led by our pastors. That's gonna be on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night. We're gonna be walking through Psalm 23 together as a way to connect and, and dig deeper into God's word together. So I hope you'll consider joining us. Friends, as, as, as we prepare for worship, let's have a prayer, and then I'll turn it over to the worship leaders. God, thank you so much for this chance to be together. Thank you for the opportunity to come to you in prayer, to read from your word, to sing songs of praise to you, and to be generous. We ask that that you would help us feel a sense of community even as we're physically apart and remind us that we are still the body of Christ even as we gather online. So be present in our service, be present in our lives, be present in our homes, and please accept this gift of our worship to you. Through Christ our Lord, amen.
1: is waiting.
2: God so loved the Okay, I know most of you don't watch this worship service at the break of dawn, but the sunrise is so beautiful I couldn't let you miss out on it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our holy and gracious God, we thank you for the sunrise. We thank you for the warmth and the light that it brings to our earth. Holy and gracious God, you are our King. You are our Redeemer. You are our all, our comforter, our healer. Lord, we praise you for this day. We praise you for the life that you have given us, the breath that you have breathed into us. Lord, we know that we have sinned and fall short of your glory. We also know that you have forgiven us. Lord, thank you. Today we lift up to you all those who are suffering all those who are suffering from natural disasters, from lack of food, lack of shelter, lack of of clean water, Lord. We also just lift up to you um, our community. As we reopen, uh, Lord, give the leaders wisdom to know what is right and safe and healthy for us. Lord, let us as Christians remember that it's not just about us. We need to protect those in our community by wearing masks, And practicing social distancing. Lord, um, there's so much going on. What a comfort it is to know that you are omniscient, you know all, and the best part is we know that all that you do is is good. Be with us today and always. Let us be your people. Let us spread your word. Together we'll lift that prayer that you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,
0: my six-year-old son learned to ride his bike. It's been awesome. Rolling around the neighborhood with him and it's gave me a good reason to dust off the old road bike, and it reminded me of a few years ago when my buddy Steve and I did a 50 mile ride for the American Diabetes Association. It was a great experience, very challenging, but also very rewarding. And one of the things I discovered, and and you may know this if you've ever done a 5K or a marathon or a long ride, is that along the way they have these kind of hospitality booths, these blue tents. I love the blue tents. You roll up and, and you can sit down and get something to drink and cool off, relax. They've got food everywhere. And it occurred to me like, yo, Steve, we we could just stay at this tent for a little while, especially when I said, oh, wait, how many more miles do we have to go? Right, it was tempting just to stay put. And I think some of us bring that concept uh, to our faith in God, that that we want God to lead us to a place of comfort and help us just remain there. Right, If, if we can just get to a place of comfort or familiarity And and hope that God can leave us there as long as possible. And if God can just get us there, then we can stay. That was Peter's approach. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He was very outspoken. And Peter, along with two of his friends, uh, two other disciples of Jesus, they travel up to the top of the mountain with Jesus. And they have this amazing encounter where they see God's glory, uh, Christ uh, shining brightly in a unique way. It's called the Transfiguration. You can read it in three of the four Gospels. So on this mountaintop with Jesus, he suddenly like, changes appearance before them, and, and they begin to conceive a, in a new way just how glorious he is. And then suddenly, two other guys show up, Moses and Elijah, these prophets, these, these leaders of, of the Old Testament that were hugely important in the history of Israel. And, and, and kind of in this moment, Peter reveals his, his desire. He says this in verse 4 of Matthew 17. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter wants to stay. He wants to stay. And I think that's our instinct, especially when we got a good thing going. Right? Sometimes we're frustrated when, when God doesn't meet this expectation of ours. Just take me to a place of comfort and leave me there. What I hope we'll discover in our study of the scriptures today is is that God leads us to peace, not permanence. In this series, we're looking at one of the most beloved, most read, most studied scriptures of all time, Psalm 23. And last week, we looked at verse 1, which compared famously God to a shepherd and us to the sheep that God cares for. And in verse 1, we talked about the concept that who you follow determines your desire. And this week, uh, we're going to dig deeper into this, this metaphor, this image of God being our shepherd and the needs of the sheep that he meets. So we're going to read Psalm 23, verse 2. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I was talking to a buddy this week, and I think he made a really good point about this verse. It, it never really sat well with him, he said. This concept that God makes us lie down. Now, the stage of life I'm in, I can't even make my three-year-old lie down for a nap, right? So if you've got children or if you care for any type of organism, dogs or cats or whatever you got, it's kind of hard sometimes to to make a living thing lie down if they don't want to. And so this sort of gives a forceful image here. God makes us lie down. It's pretty hard to make something lie down, and that's definitely true for sheep, W. Philip Keller wrote a classic devotional called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, and this is how he describes the process of sheep lying down. The strange thing about sheep is that because of their very makeup, it is almost impossible for them to be made to lie down unless four requirements are met. So here's what he describes the conditions having to be in order for sheep to lie down, be calm. And rest. To to get this kind of peaceful picture that verse 2 is describing, the following things have to be true. If sheep are afraid, if they're fearful or in a state of fright, they won't lie down. If they're too physically close to each other, like if they're like physically bumping into each other or if if one of the sheep is kind of getting territorial and button heads or or whatever, hooves with with other sheep, they're not going to lie down. They won't lie down if if they're being bothered by pests or parasites, if if something's kind of nibbling on them, or if a bunch of flies are buzzing around, they won't lie down. And sheep won't lie down if they're hungry. And so the following four things are obstacles to sheep lying down, fear, tension, pests, and hunger. Now I'm thinking the sheep might be my spirit animal because I can relate. I wouldn't want to lie down with any of those things going on either. So, how does the shepherd described in Psalm 23 make the sheep lie down? We glean some great insights when we when we kind of zoom in on some of the original Hebrew used in this verse. We get makes me lie down from the Hebrew word Yarbasay, and the sense is to cause to assume a reclining position, often with the implication of rest. The International Standard Version translation reads this way, he causes me to lie down in green pastures. And so the picture, to me, is a little less forceful than we might uh, assume uh, when we first read it. And this same word, yarbasay, is used elsewhere in the Old Testament in the context of a jeweler setting precious stones like laying a gem into into, uh, a a setting on a piece of jewelry. Ooh, I thought that was cool. So like a jeweler has, has crafted a setting for a gem to set in, the shepherd has set the environment. The shepherd has caused the conditions where the sheep may lie down. I like that. For the sheep to lie down and graze and rest, it took a lot of work on the shepherd's behalf. The shepherd would chase off or fend off potential predators so that the sheep wouldn't be fearful. The shepherd would separate or discipline the sheep that were causing a stir or being territorial. The shepherd would make sure the sheep had enough sheeple distancing in order for them to be able to go to sleep. This stuff just comes to me. I, I, don't, know, I don't know what to tell you. The shepherd would inspect the sheep for injury or, or infection and treat them accordingly with oil or, or medicine and the shepherd would choose lands for the sheep to graze in where they could be well fed. The shepherd causes the environment in which the sheep may lie down. Right? The very green pastures the psalm describes. Methodist founder John Wesley notes that these green pastures represent the place where there is both delight and plenty of provisions. And he also notes that in ancient Israel and in, in, in the practice of shepherding, it was common at the noon hour for the shepherd to allow the the flock to graze and lie down during the hottest part of the day from noon till about three. right? A sheep siesta, I like that. This was the circumstances the shepherd would work for in order to cause the sheep to lie down in green pastures. And we gotta remember, this is written uh, from an ancient perspective coming from the ancient Near East or, or modern day Palestine. Not exactly Ireland, right? When we think about green pastures, we don't think of the arid desert of Palestine. Keller continues in his book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, It is not generally recognized that many of the great sheep countries of the world are dry, semi-arid areas. Most breeds of sheep flourish best in this sort of terrain. They are susceptible to fewer hazards of health or parasites where the climate is dry. But in those same regions, it is neither natural or common to find green pastures. So since these areas of green pastures didn't naturally occur often, that means they had to be cultivated. Somebody had to tend to these and plant them and maintain them. And they were crucial. The health of the entire flock depends on their ability to graze in peace, to be well fed. And so the flock is depending on the shepherd to develop rich, lush, pastures the other factor the shepherd would manage is how long the flock would lie down in these areas how long will the flock graze in the same pasture because if they linger too long the sheep will actually eat down uh deep enough into the grass to uproot the plant and uh, that in mass will ruin the field and so you had to rotate you had to you had to move the sheep along to the next pasture so as much as sheep would prefer to they can't just stay in one spot The shepherd would lead the flock from one green pasture to the next in order to preserve the health, not only of the sheep, but of the pasture. If you can't tell, I've been reading a lot about sheep. And I found this fascinating. Sheep don't actually get most of their water consumption from drinking straight up water. A lot of the the water that sheep ingest comes off of the dew of the grass they eat early in the morning or under bright moonlight at night. I thought that was interesting. So a good green pasture can sustain the sheep's need for water. They they can go months and months without a a kind of water source that that we might think of initially. But on the journey to the next pasture, they're going to need a source of water. This image of quiet waters pairs with green pastures to create kind of this serene image in our minds. And that's part of why the psalm is so beloved. Quiet waters. My family used to stay at a place uh, on Table Rock Lake called Still Waters. Maybe you've heard of this place too. Sheep aren't large enough like other livestock to drink directly from, from a fast stream or river or something with a lot of current, right? They need a gentle stream, or, or a small spring, or even better, a deep well. We see in Genesis several references to sheep being watered at wells. And again, this is not something that naturally occurred. This, this was a source of water, a source of nourishment for the sheep that came at the blood and sweat of the shepherd. The shepherd would dig a well deep enough for the sheep to be able to be well watered. So again, we see the needs of the sheep being met by the work of the shepherd. And and did you notice anything else in, in Psalm 23, verse two? Let's read that again together. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Pastures, waters, they're both plural. They're both plural. The image of the shepherd leading a flock is a picture of an enterprise that is on the move. It's not static. If our conception of God is one that we expect to allow our lives to be stationary, I think we're gonna be disappointed. Our shepherd leads us to peace, not permanence. There isn't just one pasture we arrive at, one station of quiet waters that we take up residence at. They're plural. After a time, God leads us to the next one. We currently find ourselves in a non-pasture moment. Amen? And if you're like me, when you pray to God, you're asking God not to take you forward into the unknown. Shout out to Frozen. That's just embedded in my subconscious, I guess. You're not asking God to take you forward into something unknown. If you're like me, you're asking God to take you back to what you knew. I'd love to go back to early February. Chiefs just won the Super Bowl we're having a great start to the year at church, and then all this happens, oh man, when I pray, I'm like, God, make it like it was. Take me back to the pastures that I knew. If given a choice, most of us would rather choose something familiar, even if it wasn't ideal, rather than move forward into something unknown. Following God into whatever might be on the other side, even if it's better We won't prefer, we want something that we're familiar with. In Exodus 16, the Hebrew people have been led out of slavery by Moses, one of the key figures that was on the mountain that we read about in Matthew 17. So Moses is leading the people out of slavery and they find themselves wandering in the desert in search of their own green pasture, the promised land. Maybe you can relate. They don't feel like they have all the facts, They're growing impatient with leadership and the crisis is making them weary. This is one of those, oh, you you got a lot of nerve verses. Remember, the people have just left slavery but they begin to complain to Moses that they actually wish they were back in Egypt. We read this in Exodus 16, verse three. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted, but you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. They wanna go back to what they knew, even if it means slavery. We would also do well to remember that these, uh, the Hebrew people who would become the nation of Israel, their original mode of worship was in a tabernacle, a portable temple. They served a God who was on the move. God was on the move and they were following. God doesn't promise us permanence, friends. But we get to make the choice to believe that God will lead us to whatever is on the other side, to green pastures and quiet waters. My friend Tim has felt a call into ministry for some time. He's been active in the youth ministry here as a leader. He helped launch our second site, West Side. He's also an excellent cook. Excellent head of hair, too. He clearly conditions. Tim served as an interim youth director here last summer. And and during his discernment process uh, for what was next, he knew God was calling him to pastor a church, but that opportunity had not yet materialized. He was in a non-pastor moment. And he chose to take this year as an opportunity to continue to to do ministry and and spend time learning and, and kind of being an apprentice continue to absorb what it was like to be in ministry here, which would then prepare him to do ministry elsewhere. And that's exactly what's happened. Earlier this year, an opportunity came up for Tim to preach at two churches that were some, some bit of distance away, but this was the first and second Sundays of the month. He was going to be their preaching pastor. And despite the long commute, he jumped at the opportunity. And after more experience and, and more conversation, Tim will be appointed to be a pastor to a church here in the Kansas City area this summer. It's amazing the amount of faithfulness he showed and and God has clearly led him to his next pasture. He's an inspiration for following God and trusting in the provision of the shepherd even in the transition from one pasture to another. Some of us are in a season where the shepherd's provision has been clear. And if that's you, I wanna celebrate with you. But for others of us, if you haven't been feeling very green pasturey or, or no quiet waters have been in sight, I want you to know that you're not alone. I would encourage us to rest in the provision of God who will provide as our good shepherd all that is necessary for us to have peace. Let's think back to what keeps the sheep from lying down, fear. Well, well where, has, where has our fear gotten us? What good does our fear do us? I'm not telling you not to wash your hands. I'm not telling you to to tempt God and be, be silly or make poor choices. But all of that worry, all of that anxiety, Jesus said, who by worrying can add a single hour to their life? Where has your fear gotten you? Second, sheep won't lie down or they can't have peace if there's tension. How much attention have you been paying to what other sheep are thinking about you? And does it really matter? What matters even more, friends, is how the, sh- how the shepherd views us, what the shepherd thinks of us. Sheep won't lie down if they're being bothered by pests and parasites, bugs. What's been bugging you? And what's preventing you from just letting that go? What's been bugging you? And finally, sheep won't lie down. Sheep can't find green pasture and rest and peace if they're hungry. So what have you been consuming? What have you been munching on kind of emotionally, spiritually? You've been watching trash TV? Guilty. Yeah, I watched Tiger King. I'm not proud to say it. Have we been consuming a lot of junk? I mean, how many headlines are you reading? How How many hours a day or a week you spend reading articles that just kind of bring up all of this anxiety? I gotta put myself on a limit, man. Have you been spending time getting deep into these crazy conspiracy theories about all this? Have you been eating some junk? I would encourage you to consider what you're feeding on. Join our pastors this week on Tuesday night, Wednesday night, or Thursday night. We try to make a nice spread for you and let's be encouraged by opening God's word together. Don't let any of those four reasons compromise your ability to receive God's peace. In the New Testament, I love how it's described. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you're uncertain about your next step, it's a sign you may be on the right track. The shepherd leads us to peace, not permanence. Keep trusting, keep following. And everybody said, in the house of the Lord, amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for being our good shepherd. For, for creating an environment for, for Caring for us in such a way that we could attain the peace that you desire for us. For some of us, God, that's a hard concept to imagine right now. And so my prayer is that in this moment, you would provide whatever is necessary for us to attain that peace that passes understanding, not that there's nothing going on, not that there's no opposition around us, but that in the middle of that, we could still have the peace that you promise. God, we know that your, your psalm that, that we'll read soon says that you prepare a table for us in the presence of our enemies. No matter what's going on around us, your presence is always available, always calling out to us. So help us not just to know that mentally or to somehow kind of subscribe to that understanding in our minds, but to truly feel that and to live that every day that we would journey with you from pasture to pasture beside the quiet waters and rest in your presence. It's in your son's precious name that we pray, amen. Friends, as a part of worship, we have the opportunity to be generous and I'm so glad to be a part of a church that continues to reach out into the community, continues to embody what it means to be the hands and feet of Christ, And so I want you to know that your support is so vital and so crucial to fueling the ministries that happen here. We have three different ways to give. If you're accustomed to writing a check, you can still send that on into the church, and we'd be happy to receive that as normal. You can give online uh, and find that page at carney.church slash giving. And you can also initiate giving via text by texting the word give to 816-354-1760. Let's pray a blessing over our generous gifts that God will receive them and use them. God, we thank you so much for the gifts you've given us. I thank you for the faithfulness of so many that continue to give even as we follow you uh, into unforeseen times. We ask that you would Bless, these are gifts, that you would multiply them to make the circle of your love grow wider and wider. Make them mean so much more together than they could alone so that more and more people can come to know the saving love of your son, Jesus Christ, as we seek to make new disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It's in your son's precious name we pray, amen.
3: was so, to run and Thank you
0: thank you so much for making worship our priority. Let's remember this week that God leads us to peace, not permanence. And so that's my prayer for you, that this week you could find time to rest beside the quiet waters and to be fed by the love and provision of God. Go in the name of Christ. Amen.